Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. It's Friday. You know what that means? It means Zeke of the Week. Have to wait till the end of the show to find out who it is. As always, this is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Jeff Trenopole, bringing you sports from a West Side point of view. All right, here's the rundown of today's show. Today marks the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. If you don't know what that is, that's the day the U.S. men's hockey team defeated probably the world's greatest hockey team in the Russians. And I was trying to get into a Cincinnati uh, sports topic. So, Bearcat fans, what is your miracle on ice, your greatest moment that you ever witnessed in your lifetime, personally witnessed either the Bearcat football team or the basketball team? I got two of them. And Nick Senzel discussed with Fox 19 his thoughts about being talked about being traded and his thoughts on what he wants to do with his career and accomplish with his career with the Reds. And my Blue Jackets, they were in action last night. Find out what happened. All right, here's here's a that was a rundown. Here is the Cincinnati Bearcats Miracle on Ice. Like I said, what is the greatest play that you yourself have ever personally witnessed? Like I said, I got two of them. First one's in basketball. The 1998 Great Alaskan Shootout. Number 15 at the time, UC versus number one, Duke. Nobody thought UC would beat Duke. I mean, Duke had Elden Brand, Trajan Langan, all these guys. Elden Brand was the number one pick overall in the NBA. All these guys that are lottery picks. Shane Battier was on that team. I mean, that's a really good Duke team. Now, it came down to the final play. And I posted it on uh, the Facebook page, Sports of Strawberry, so you can scroll down and try to find it. But I had forgotten this. That Ryan Fletcher is the one who threw the pass. If you remember Ryan Fletcher, he's the one with uh, the really tall white socks. And I think I always remember Ryan Fletcher. When he first started, he was this really, really skinny guy. And then he was, by the time he graduated, he was, he was swole, dude. He was ripped. But anyway, I was listening to um, a podcast earlier today that has uh, Ryan Fletcher on there. And he was talking about that play. And like I said, I had forgotten that he um, threw the play. And I was Alex Meacham's podcast. I'm sorry. Forgot his name for a minute. Alex Meacham's podcast. He interviewed Ryan Fletcher. And Fletcher's talking about that play. Like I said, I'd forgotten that he was the one that inbounds the ball. And Ryan Fletcher said he played high school quarterback, so he knew he could throw the ball, throw the ball down there. Now, the interesting thing, I thought, is Ryan Fletcher said, Huggins put that play in pretty much after practice. I think they were, he said they were all undressed and everything, and then he brought them all back together, brought them back out of the court and said, hey, we're going to do this play, and they just ran through it, which was a great call by Huggins because they ended up using it. But anyway, Ryan Fletcher throws the ball down uh, half court. He threw it so high, he was afraid it was going to hit the scoreboard. You know, they had the scoreboard in the middle of the court. Didn't hit that. Kenny Martin grabs the ball in one motion in the midair, passes it to Melvin Levitt. Melvin Levitt, I don't even think, dribbled, catches the ball and dunks it and beats the number one ranked team to win the Great Alaskan Shootout. I was in my living room going freaking nuts. I think it was like, I think it was a Friday or Saturday night. It was a late game. I was going crazy. I could not believe we beat them. And we beat them on a dunk. I mean, the only other play I remember that you had to go the length of the court to win, sorry, Kentucky fans, but was Christian Leitner in the NCAA uh, tournament in 91, I think, 92. Sorry to bring up you know, bad memories. But that's the only other play I can remember. Those two plays of that length of the court happening and making a shot out of it. And we did it with a dunk to beat the number one Duke team in the country. The other one was, I was actually at the game. It was UC, this is football, UC versus Pittsburgh. This is back when we were in the Big East. 
It happened to be Brian Kelly's last UC football game. Nobody knew it at the time. But UC was playing Pittsburgh, and they start off terrible. I mean, Pittsburgh, we could they were doing whatever they wanted. We couldn't really do anything. Marty Gilliard, in the second half, ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. That got us back into it. That's not the play I'm talking about. The play I'm talking about is right there, the bobblehead right behind me. Tony Pike to Armand Bins. Unbelievable throw and catch. I, To this day, I still can't believe he caught it. We st- I still can't believe they made that play. Pittsburgh fans. And I, sorry, Pittsburgh, there's so many times that Pittsburgh, sorry, I've said it the wrong way. Pittsburgh fans have gotten the better of Cincinnati fans here lately. <laughs> to watch their faces walking out of that stadium was unbelievable. It was shocked. They could not believe they lost and how they lost. Basically, the last play of the game. and It was the best football game I have ever been to. It was so much fun. It was cold. It was snowing. Like I said, beginning of the game, weren't playing good. I'm like, man, came all the way out here to Pittsburgh. We're going to freaking lose. And we didn't. <laughs> it was so cool. I just, oh, I will never forget that. I will never forget that. That's what I'm looking for. The, the joy I have that I'm talking about these two plays. What, what Bearcat basketball or football play does that for you? What's your miracle on ice uh, for the Bearcats? You know, like I said, it's when you had to personally see. Either watched it, listened to it, or you're actually there. Tweet me out. Let me know. Sports with Strawberry Ice. Handle Jeff A. Trinipole. All right. Now, Nick Senzel did an interview the other day with uh, Fox 19. And he's gotten, his name's been around a lot this winter about trades and the possibility of him moving on. And I've said this. The only way I'd trade him as if we get Lindor from Cleveland, and it doesn't look like that's happening. So what Nick said is, he said, I, I quote, I love my team, I love my teammates, I want to be here for my entire career. I want to give this city a winner and win titles. <laughs> like, yes, I signed me up for that, Nick. I agree with you. And I don't understand why people have said that Nick Senzel is kind of the odd man out. I honestly, personally think... He has a potential to being the team's MVP. Now, they're saying he could be like a super utility guy. Now, I always think of a super utility guy as a guy coming off the bench. And he could play second base, shortstop. He could play like all the infield positions and a couple outfield positions, you know. And he's a good pinch hitter. I'm looking at Nick this way because in a baseball in 2020, players play multiple positions. And they're not bench guys. They're starting players play multiple positions and Nick can play the outfield. He can play third base and he can play second. And the way David Bell and the way the Reds have had the, got this team set up with so many guys and so many players that can play different positions. I can see Nick playing center field one day and then playing third one day and playing second one day. So he's, he's a starter, but he doesn't have a, a position. And I don't think David Bell is going to have a set eight, like the big red machine, the great eight, every day you sent those eight players out. You know, I mean, I'm sure they, they gave them rest from time to time, but those were your starters. I don't think we're going to have that with the Reds this year. Because we got, like I said, we got Moustakis. He's been a third baseman for most of his career. He's, he played second in Milwaukee. He's going to play second for us this year. That is until uh, Gino gets back. Gino's hurt. He's going to play. Moustakis will probably play third for a while until uh, Suarez gets back. Now, the other thing is, like I said, we have multiple guys who can do this. Moose can play third, he can play second. Castellanos can also play first base, which gives Joey Votto a break. And 
Joey Votto, people are always talking about him and his money. You know, his money is his money. Uh, they signed him. That's it. I mean, the problem is the Reds signed him. He hit two years ago. He had an MVP year. I think he finished second or third in the MVP, and the Reds were terrible. So whose fault is that? I mean, you, you knew when you signed a 10-year contract, more than likely the back half of that, he's not going to be as good as he was the first half. So getting back to guys with multiple positions, I think this is good for Votto. He's not going to have to play 162 games. He wants to, but I don't think that's best for him. I don't really think it's best for baseball players in general. The fresher you are, the better you're going to play. And the way David Bell manages, he likes to mix and match and do matchups and all that. And he's going to have plenty of guys to do that. So you got Senzel who can play in multiple positions. You got Mustakis who can play in multiple positions. You got uh, a couple guys who can play first base. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Suarez could play first base as well. I'm not positive on that, but I think I saw him play first base. I know uh, uh, Tucker Barnhart can play first base. So there's your catcher that can play two different positions. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys and a lot of guys and a lot of playing time, which in this day and age is how they they play baseball now. Which It's not really any different than it used to be. It's just more, it's more known, okay? More like before you'd have your starters, but then you give guys days off. So you still do that. It's just going to be more of your starters moving around in different positions, you know, if that makes sense. And Joey Votto, I think it's going to help him, like I said, getting rushed because he's most and one of the most analytic baseball players I've ever seen where people would get upset with him for not swinging at pitches that are, you know, this far off the plate. And on the podcast, I'm putting my fingers together like really, really small. So, and he would try, he was more worried about on-base percentage and getting on base. That's why the second ba- second batting position is perfect for him. And if you're paying, to the money, if you're paying him that much money, he's not going to hit seventh or eighth. You want him up there as much as you can get him up there. So, I think Votto is going to go back to forget about trying to do the launch angles and just trying to get on base. And with the extra rest and everything, I think it's going to help him. And with the Reds having all these players, everybody getting days off, it should cut down on the injuries. Should. And usually the healthiest teams are the ones that finish in first. So those are all good things that the Reds have moving forward. So the beginning of this was Nick Senzel. I think people need to remember last year, he was our shiny new toy. Everybody could not wait. We had to get Nick Senzel up here. And we're not trading him for nothing. He's our best prospect. He's this, he's that. Now a year later, people are like, oh, well, we got this and we got that. I'm like, yeah, but we still have Nick Senzel, who's still a really good player. And people are like, well, he's injury prone. Uh, is he really? I mean, yes, he's gotten hurt the last couple years. I mean, the minor leagues, he broke his finger for diving after a ball at third base. Last year, I think he, I think he hurt his shoulder running into the wall. Three of those are all hustle plays. I'll take those. I mean... Which, again, if he's not playing every day, he has less chances to hurt himself. And that's the whole thought process, I think, of having multiple guys play different positions. Now, tomorrow, I cannot wait. Finally get to hear the crack of the bat. Reds, first spring training games at 3.05. It's going to be so weird because Marty B., Marty Burnham, poofy-haired fancy boy is not going to be calling the Reds game. First time in... 
well, what did they say? 47 years, I think. Let me see, I'm 44, 46, for, yeah, 46 years. That's, wow, it's just going to be weird. I miss Marty already. <laughs> I'm going to miss him getting upset and ripping the reds. And Anyway, don't have, won't have any more. We still got the cowboy, though, so that's good. But tomorrow, 305, first crack of the bat. Cannot wait. All right, now we got the Columbus Blue Jackets. Unfortunately, they lost last night 4-3 to Philly. Now, I'm going to go back probably a month or so ago. I was talking about the Blue Jackets are on this. They were on this two-month winning streak. Not winning every game, but they, they were on the uptick because they started off terrible. And then they had all these injuries. They still have injuries. And we had all these guys come up from the AHL affiliate in Cleveland. And they all came together and they went on a hot streak. And we on a point, like I think it was like a six, seven, eight game point streak, and we got ourselves into uh, playoff contention. Now the problem, I said this back then, I said they're peaking early because they're playing awesome. They're playing the best they possibly could play. And I said I'm hoping that the descent is going to be that long, and they are in the descent now. We've dropped out of a playoff spot. We're not that far out. I mean, we played good last night. I mean. Oliver Bjorkstrand scored within the first minute of the game. Nick Foligno made an unbelievable goal. Shot the puck between his uh, legs and scored. So I'm like, yes, this is a great start. And then Philly came back, got a goal back. We went back up by two, and they scored two more and ended up winning it. It's so frustrating because <laughs> we scored, and that's been one of the problems with the Blue Jackets is scoring. We can play defense. If you watch our neutral zone defense, it's, it's hard to make a cross-ice pass. Somebody's getting a stick on it, knocking it away, or stealing it or something. It's very hard to do that against the Blue, Blue Jackets. It's very hard to get the puck out of their zone. The Blue Jackets will hold that blue line and knock it in. So our defense is really good. That's why it was so frustrating to watch this last night. We were up by two goals already, and then they we, they gave came back and won it. Or Philly came back and won it, and, and the Blue Jackets lost. It's just... Well, that, that's a game where we finally got the scoring. We really needed to get that win. So my hope is we still got injuries. Seth Jones still out for a couple weeks, and I, that to me is a huge loss. I mean, they basically, Zach, if you watch the game, Zach Orensky, he's playing the whole power play. Usually it's either Seth Jones starts it, and then they do the second uh, team, and Zach's out there. Zach's out there the whole time. That tells you how big Seth Jones is, how big a loss he is to this team. So, my point is, the Blue Jackets have just got to get themselves back to where they, as close to they can as to where they were back in December and January, playing awesome. Because if they, all they got to do is get in the playoffs. You get in the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, I'll say it. Last year, we beat the number one seed uh, in the Tampa Bay Lightning. St. Louis won the whole thing. And they were in last place in January. So, as long as you get in, you never know what's going to happen. So, I was just a frustrating loss last night with Philly. Just, we just got to get it back together. We, we could, they can do it. I know they can do it. So many injuries. So, it's just, it's like I, I said this earlier. Like, I know these injuries, they got to stop because eventually they're going to catch up with them. And right now they are. I mean, Tortorella is having a hard time finding bodies, <laughs> guys he can throw out there. Uh, we are leading the. Whole NHL in time missed due to injuries. That's hard to win. And 
That's where I give the guys credit. I give Tortorella credit for keeping them in this. When they were going through all the injuries, that's when they took off. But like I said, it started to catch up to him, which I kind of figured it would, but uh, it just can't be for that long. We got to get back into this. All right, guys, it is Friday. And if you are a loyal listener to the show, that means it's Zeke of the Week. And as for your comments and stuff, who you guys nominated. And I don't watch boxing that much, but this one caught my eye. This weekend, you got the uh, Wilder Fury fight on ESPN. And I'll listen to ESPN a lot. So ESPN is doing the pay-per-view, so they're promoting the crap out of it. So, Wilder and uh, Fury had a press conference earlier this week. <laughs> Fury did a your mama joke. And Wilder's coming back. Well, I'm going to hit you with the Alabama hammer. You know, my left hand. And I thought it was great. I think they, they might have shoved each other or something. But so what? We You know, you want that stuff as a fan. You want that WWE. You want that. I'm, let me tell you something, brother. You want that stuff as far as boxing. Because guess what they're doing? They're trying to promote the fight. They're trying to get guys like you and me to pay money to watch them. <laughs> so, what's the Nevada State Athletic Commissioner going to do? He bans them. You can't do the face-off at the weigh-in, which is like, what? They always do that. I mean, the weigh-in, the weigh-in after the weigh-in, they always have the face-off. They got two fighters come together and hold their fists up, take pictures, try to intimidate, intimidate the other one. And how many times has there been fights break out and tables thrown and all this stuff? It's boxing. I haven't, I couldn't even tell you. I didn't know that, uh, not, yeah, Wilder. I didn't even know Wilder was the heavyweight champion. I had no idea. The last time I paid attention to a boxing match was Conor McGregor versus Money May- Mayweather. And Conor McGregor's a UFC fighter. That's the last time I personally paid attention to it. So it kind of caught my eye with all the bickering going back and forth, and like, yeah, kind of like, let's make be kind of cool to watch. But the Nevada State uh, Athletic Commission bans them for having the face off. <laughs> like, you want them to promote the boxing match, right? Wouldn't you want something like this, some chaos or something to happen to get more people going? Oh man, this these guys are crazy. <laughs> so, Nevada State Athletic Commissioner, you are my Zeke. Of the week. Does not make sense. All right, it's Friday. Bearcats play Sunday. I'm already getting a little nervous. We cannot lose. If we lose, like I said, if we lose Sunday, (laughs) you might as well do load management and rest the guys for the rest of the games because you're going to need them for the AAC tournament because we're going to have to win the whole thing to get in. Hopefully it does not come down to that. The Bearcats have got to play a better defense than they did and better effort. They got they should just be sleeping and resting. And one thing Brandon said, or actually I should say this, Terry Nelson said this on um Lance McAllister's show last night. That he thinks the problem is that the guys are tired. And Brandon is trying to find the balance between coaching them up and not wearing them out. And he thinks the problem is he hasn't been able to coach them up enough. Because they're so tired and because they're wore out. And that's the struggle that Brandon's having because, like I said, this team is not very deep. So, Sunday we have to win. If we don't win, like I said, we're out. The, the interesting thing, though, Joe Lenardi still has the Bearcats in. Which, with college basketball this year, 
there's been so many teams, highly ranked teams that have lost this year. So that's why the Bearcats, in my opinion, are still in it. I'm not sure what seed Lenardi has them at. Actually, I think he, I don't think he moved them. I think they're still at 11 seed. And some people are like, oh, who cares what Lenardi says? Well, I do because most of the time he's right. <laughs> so if you're kind of curious how close the Bearcats are, you know, check check him out. And the other thing, I said this about Kentucky earlier this week, that, you know, Kentucky could go out and lose in the first or second round, or they could go win the whole thing. You see, when we have our three guards going, and both Cumberland Brothers and Adams Wood, and they are playing like they can play, and Trayvon's got, dude, I, I actually, I didn't even tell you guys this last night because I was so upset about the loss, but Trey Scott did a 20-20, 20 points, 20 rebounds. If he's doing that, the rest of the guys can do it. He's played as much as they have. He's given full effort. They should. Anyway, that's just Sports Baby for a Friday. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, under Sports with Strawberry Ice. Twitter is, the handle is Jeff A. Trenopole, T-R-E-N-N-E-P-O-H-L. Like, subscribe, share. Tell all your friends about me. See you guys.